Hello, ladies and gentlemen and those in between outside. Welcome back to another episode of Transvestigations. I'm your host, Jessalyn. Um, so originally the podcast, we were, we as in me, was thinking of doing it on a, just a weekly basis. But um, since I have, or I feel that I have a lot to say, um, we're going to be making this release whenever hopefully bi-weekly, um, and just sort of seeing, you know, putting this information out there uh, for people to digest. Um, you know, I know we don't have a lot of listeners here on Transvestigations, but I do want to produce um, some archive of, of thought, and that's what this podcast is for. So um, today's topic is something that I feel is not very well discussed by media, um, not very well discussed by many people in any actuality, and that is sexually transmitted diseases or infections. Um, and before we get into this episode, um, I might be giving some advice. I am not a qualified medical health professional. While I do study sexuality at university, I do not study the medicine um, of sexuality. I just know quite a bit about it because I am very interested in the importance of sexual health. So what will be said to you, take what you can, but make sure to take it with a grain of salt as I am not a doctor, nor I am a nurse. Although a lot of this advice will be coming from my mother, who is a nurse midwife and has worked with vaginas for most of her career. So just to let that let that be known um, before we get into today's episode. So I wanted to start by talking about different STDs, what they mean, and how um, we treat them and the social and political issues that come with them. So I was considering... Um, I, I didn't want to talk about every single STD because there are quite a bit. So I wanted to talk about the ones that are most, um, I wouldn't say common, but the most like frequently referenced in our culture. Um, and that is chlamydia, gonorrhea, um, herpes, and HIV uh, slash AIDS. So we're going to start with the lovely gonorrhea. So I will also be disclosing some of my sexual health in this episode. So please um, know that I'm sharing this information out of a teaching moment for our listeners and not for uh, somebody to use this against me in any way. Okay. So um, I actually have had gonorrhea. Um, I had it, um, I think, probably two years ago or a year ago. Um, and I want to make it clear that gonorrhea and chlamydia, I think we're going to try and cover both of them in this episode very similarly. Um, they don't present with symptoms all the time. A lot of people tend to think that it's just, you know, you get discharge, it burns when you pee, da, 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 da. No, um, you can have it, um, which is why you should always, always, always get tested. And, you know, we have so far, the CDC has released guidelines as far as testing goes, particularly for um, HIV. Um, but the CDC guidelines recommend that most um, people who are high risk, so that's young people, um, get tested. It's, I believe it's every three months or every Oh, sorry. For high-risk individuals who are like young and not MSM, so men who have sex with men, um, 
I believe the period is um, six months or a year, depending on what. Um, they recommend that you get tested for STDs at least once a year, ideally every six months. Now, for high-risk people, which includes men who have sex with men, and the whole category of high-risk is very complicated and has a whole other set of political histories to it, but they recommend getting a full STD panel every three months. I <laughs> believe in getting tested as much as possible from actually contracting that sexually transmitted infection um, and kind of learning my lesson, I suppose. So I get tested every single month, um, usually in the beginning of the month, uh, just to keep up, you know, and keep myself healthy. So yeah, gonorrhea. <laughs> um, not a very, none of these diseases are particularly flattering to anybody um, because they're diseases. Um but yeah, there's no present symptoms. You could have it and you could not know. And I think that I just want to talk about what my experience was. So I got the call and they told me, okay, Jesslyn, you have gonorrhea. And I was like, all right, that's great. Love that. So I went and, you know, filled out, I, I, did I fill something out? No, they just said, okay, tell your sexual partners, you know, we're going to have you come in for a shot. And I was like, a shot? Well, that's weird. And, um, you know, <laughs> a shot. Because going into the next topic, I've had chlamydia before as well. I've had each of those two once. Which, by the way, there's no shame in this. Um, most people get an STD in their lifetime. You can look that up. Um, and I wasn't being very safe when this was happening. And I'm a lot more safe now than I was. But um, they take you in, um, they give you a shot in your butt, and I can't remember the milligram dosage of what antibiotic it is. And they give you a shot in your butt, um, and then you go on your merry way, and you don't have sex for seven days. So that's kind of, I just wanted to talk about, like, the treatment plan that they usually have for gonorrhea and what it can present as. If it does present, usually it's the same as chlamydia. You get discharge, burning when you pee, um, pain in your testes, pain in your sort of vaginal area, all of that stuff, you just get pain. <laughs> um, so now that we've sort of explained gonorrhea to the class, we're going to talk about um, chlamydia. So chlamydia, pretty much the same uh, level of symptoms. You cannot have symptoms at all for your entire life, which is why you should get tested, reminding you again. Um, or you can have symptoms such as the same thing, brain, pain, da 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 And all this stuff, like I said, may not present right away. Just do it. Just get tested. Um, but yeah, I've had chlamydia before. And this is actually a very interesting thing that a lot of people don't know about. Um, STDs are actually slowly developing antibiotic resistance. Um, there's an STD that's particularly rare. It's called mycoplasma genitalium. Um, and it is very, it's extremely common in, I believe, um, areas of Asia. And it's very, it's becoming harder and more difficult to treat. Um, it, because of, um, in Asia, there's a, in this area of Asia, I believe it's like Thailand, Thailand, Indonesia, the Philippines, um, those, that area of Asia, um, they're having issues because, um, prescribing antibiotics is not really a thing there. They give antibiotics to you when you feel sick, which is 
very noble of them. I'm sure they want to help. But what's happening is people are getting so many antibiotics all the time to try and treat this infection that it's developing a resistance to it. And you're really only supposed to use antibiotics when it's absolutely necessary, like when you have strep throat or things of that nature. And that's what's beginning to happen with chlamydia and gonorrhea is we're developing a, we're, there's strains developing of the gonorrhea and the chlamydia being resistant to antibiotics. And people are having a harder and harder time treating it. In fact, you used to be able to get treated for chlamydia with uh, penicillin, I believe. And now it doesn't work. And they've had to move on to a new set of antibiotics. I actually, when I contracted chlamydia, I had to go on doxycycline, um, which is not fun. Um, going on antibiotics is not really good for your gut. Um, so that was not particularly great. And again, swearing off the sex for seven days, you know. So just like be wary of that in a sense. Like we always say, like use the condom and we don't really know what that means. And so far, as far as my knowledge goes, there's never been a, a cluster or confirm cluster of confirmed cases involving a completely treatment resistant um, strain of gonorrhea and chlamydia that was completely unable to be treated by any um, class of antibiotics. Um, but I just want to let you know that, that that is something that is happening as time goes on. So it is in your best interest to always use a condom when having sex. And I also want to talk about chlamydia and gonorrhea risk. So we talk a lot about like what body parts are more likely to be infected and da 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 and all of a sudden blah, 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 blah. When you get tested and when you go into the clinic, you need to be getting tested everywhere where somebody sucked and fucked you. <laughs> um, so I like, for example, we're going to like put a display up of like my bodily anatomy, right? So I'm a woman, um, but I'm a trans woman. So I have a, a little funny thing down there, right? So I'm going to get that tested by peeing in a cup. And I also am going to get my butt tested with a swab. And I'm also going to get my mouth tested because each individual area has had some form of sexual contact. And I personally have had experiences where one area was infected, but the other area was not. So it's important that you catch it when it's infected in that one area. So make sure when you go into the clinic, don't just don't be like a straight guy I once knew who just said, oh, well, I got the blood prick. It's fine. No, you should be getting swabbed and and peed in a cup and the whole nine yards request the whole nine yards because it's you're better safe than sorry so yeah that's kind of my basic summary um and back into that high risk thing um if you are engaging in anal sex whoever that you are whether you're a cis woman like an msm whatever uh please understand that that area um, is more likely to be infected by STDs because it's not necessarily built for that activity. Um, and especially with HIV AIDS, the reason why it's so, um, it's, it's a little bit easier to catch it is because the lining in the anus tears, not the lining, just the anus in general, it tears and leaves tiny little um, cuts. So it's easier for the blood and the semen to just sort of transfuse and cause um, an infection of HIV. So, you know, that's not to say that heterosexual people don't get STDs or people who don't engage in anal don't get STDs. But the reason why 
I always say the high risk category is a little bit necessary is because people who engage in those sex acts, there is a little bit of a risk to it. Um, and that's not to shame anybody. That's not to say that doing any of these things is wrong because it's absolutely not. Human beings have been practicing anal sex since human beings could have sex. So it's certainly not new, but I just want to make the general public of my listeners, whether that's 15 of you or 40 of you, aware of that um, thing. So another thing, <coughs> we're going to be diving into two more STDs today. This episode is a little bit longer, so I hope this length is not bothersome to anybody. But um, yeah, uh, the next STD that we're going to be discussing, now that I've kind of laid out the groundwork for two of the most common gonorrhea and chlamydia, um, we're going to be talking about the, I, I wouldn't even say if it's the most common STD, it's just a very common disease to have, and that is herpes. So herpes has two types, type 1 and type 2. Um, type 1, I'm pretty sure it affects usually about 90% of the population by the age of 50. So the chances of you having it are very, very high. And if you have ever had a cold sore on your lip, that is far, 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 far very likely herpes type 1. Now, does that necessarily mean that you have to run around disclosing to everybody that you had a cold sore once in the eighth grade and da 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 da? Not really, because it doesn't necessarily complicate the, um, the reality because everybody has it. It's just how careful you are with it. So don't be going down on any pussy, vagina, dick, ass, whatever you want to do when you have a cold sore on your lip. Um, and when, if you start to notice a little something down there, a little wart, a little, you know, cold sore, go see your doctor. Because herpes type 1 can also be transferred to the genitals, and it doesn't automatically become herpes type 2 once it's transferred. Okay, so moving on to herpes type 2. Now, herpes type 2 affects, I think it's approximately about 14% of the population, um, and it might be less than that. So check check up, you guys, if you want to make absolutely sure of that. But herpes type 2 is genital herpes. Um, it's the one most commonly that causes genital herpes. And uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. It just causes, you know, that on your penis or your vagina or your butt or wherever. Um, it's pretty simple. I mean, you know, like... Part of it is kind of interesting to me because it's almost like this, the weirdest stigmatization I've ever heard of. And obviously this is not really a public health opinion. This is just my opinion, but I've never really understood why people gave so much of a shit unless of course they are cis women because there is a tiny, there's a bit of risk involving pregnancy, but otherwise I haven't really understood why people really gave a shit because there's medication now for you to control it if you have an outbreak or if anything serious happens. So herpes, complicated, com extremely complicated STD, um, particularly type 1, type 2. I mean, we don't have any vaccines for it yet. Part of it is it's so prevalent. People don't really know when to disclose, and there's this whole stigma around it and people making fun of people for having it, even though the chances of you having type 1, which can also turn into the exact same fucking thing that somebody else has, are astronomically high. I mean, for Christ's sake, like, you could get it from your dad giving you a kiss when you're a baby. Like, it's really not that serious. Anyways, that's not that it's not serious. I mean, you know, take care of your sexual health and tell your partners if you have herpes type 2 or you have herpes on your genital area. Um, 
testing for that is also very complicated. I could do a whole nother conversation on that because that's like, they don't even really test for it just because of how prevalent it is. And you usually test for type one and type two when you're getting the whole thing. Anyways, um, and even that's another thing, if you're getting tested for type two, you're probably going to test positive for type one because fucking everybody has it. Anyways, um, yeah, herpes. I don't know. I just fear that people have this weird stigmatization against it and have made it out to be this like little demon that's going to come and like rob you of your sexuality and it's really not that at all in fact most people I don't think I've had sex with anyone that's had herpes to my knowledge but I certainly had like texting encounters with people who have had it or have it sorry have it and they never seemed like people I would not want to have sex with just wearing a condom and avoiding having sex with them when they have a cold sore reduces risk never to zero um but it reduces the risk. Uh, so yeah, that's some little like bits and pieces of information on herpes, stuff that I know. Um, again, like I said, a lot of this knowledge that I have is from experience in my life or um, having um, having my mother as a nurse. I'm sorry, lost my train of thought for a sec. Okay, now we're gonna talk about the big one that every single person knows about but doesn't really want to talk about because it's scary unless you're gay in which case people talk about it all the time because it's devastated our community um but hiv slash aids now this std is something that isn't even really like an std completely because it can be transfer transmitted excuse me transmitted through blood semen and you can get that through sharing needles. So it's not necessarily that like you just get it from a sex act, but most people get it from a sex act. And therefore I'm pretty sure that that's why it's classified as an STD. Now, speaking of sex acts, if you wanna give your boyfriend the sucky sucky and you're afraid that you're gonna get HIV from giving the sucky sucky, rest assured you will be completely and utterly fine because the transmission rate for HIV through oral sex is zero. And do you want to know how I know this? My mom told me. <laughs> she told me that the reason why HIV doesn't necessarily um, uh, pass through oral sex is because the saliva, the virus itself is actually very sensitive when exposed. And it, um, the saliva in your mouth when you're um, giving oral sex or whatever, um, it, it, kills the virus like literally kills it and it's not able to um transmit into another person um there has been no no confirmed cases although there's been suspicion but never confirmed cases of anybody all over the world and there are millions of people infected with hiv um ever contracting hiv through oral sex so just to let you know you guys know um, if you want to give your boyfriend a nice, hot, sloppy blowjob, um, make sure to use that spit so you can kill anything that he might have. So, boyfriend, girl, your boyfriend should be tested. Let me just say the sneaky link, okay? The person that you're fucking that you don't know their status. Speaking of status, know your status. It's very important that you know your status. Are you positive? Are you negative? What is your deal? Because while there is, you know, so much 
unsexy talk in the fact of us getting tested. It is very important for us to do that and have these conversations with our sexual partners and, you know, stop before the sex act happens and say, oh, well, have you been tested? What's your status? Um, and it's funny too. I remember receiving a tip from a drag queen one time. She said, you can just go and get one of them little 15 minute blood fuckers where they prick your finger, just go buy it at a store, prick your finger, make out, blow them or whatever. And then bam, 15 minutes, your HIV positive test is ready. And you got to figure out whether the fuck you're going to wrap it up or not. So there you go. I mean, yeah. So that's a new factoid that I think a lot of people were unaware of. Uh, you do, however, need to use a condom if you're having sex with somebody who is HIV positive and not undetectable. Now, let's talk about the word undetectable. So for any of my users of Grindr, you may have seen U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. So antiviral drug therapies that have been um, in wide use in medicine um, since they were put out to the general public to treat HIV, have been able to suppress the viral load of um, the HIV virus. And the viral load has to do a lot with the rate of transmission. And da, 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 da. It's very, very complicated. Um, very sciencey stuff that, frankly, I don't really understand. And I'm just trying to reiterate to you in the simplest terms I can. Um, when you go on antiviral drugs for a long time, I believe the period is about six months to a year, um, you can suppress the virus enough that you cannot transmit it to others. So U equals U means this person takes their medication every day and they cannot transmit the virus to others. And there are, there's a famous gay porn star actually who has, who is HIV positive and is U equals U and he does bareback scenes all the time and there's never been anything, no little complaints. There's never been a recorded case of anybody who has had a certain low viral load and took their medication every day giving somebody HIV. So you'll be fine. If you have or meet somebody that is so beautiful and so wondrous and so gorgeous to you and you're afraid of having sex with them, just know undetectable equals untransmittable. And also, let's talk about, we're going to veer away from HIV and AIDS for a second because I think that is maybe deserving of a much more deep dive kind of episode. And it's a lot harder for me to sort of discuss in great length without mentioning history and da 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 I think we're just going to move on to politeness and etiquette involving STDs um, because it seems to me that nobody knows how to fucking do etiquette um, because it's very awkward. Oh, I have this disease and I gave it to you. Like, how is this going to work, you know? Let me tell you something. <laughs> the best people are going to handle it with grace. Believe me. And... HIV is a very complex thing in regards to transmission. That's something that I don't really have a whole lot of advice for because I haven't, haven't experienced it. Hopefully I never will. We, we shall see. But um, I think that we should talk about politeness involving transmission of chlamydia and gonorrhea and kind of move away from the HIV topic um, because I don't think that I can really fit all of that into a little 25, 30 minute episode. Um, but yeah, so politeness, let's say you wake up one day, you go to clinic, um, by the way, all my New York people, cause a lot of my listeners are in New York, um, Chelsea Sexual Health Clinic in Manhattan offers free STD testing. You're welcome. Um, so does Planned Parenthood, I believe you're welcome. Um, so if you want to, um, tell your partner, okay, so I have this disease and I don't know what to do and da, 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 um, call them. 
or text them and say, hey, I'm very sorry. I just wanted to let you know I just tested positive for fill in the blank. Um, I was tested X day, X day, whatever. And I'm very, very sorry about this. I didn't really, you know, I was, I know that we were safe, blah, blah, blah. Just talk to them, be kind, be polite as possible. Now, the people on the other end of that scenario, the best thing you can do is just remain calm. Because not every time you have contact with an ST, with someone with an STD, it's not guaranteed that you're going to get it. The rate of transmission is not 100% with either chlamydia or gonorrhea. So you may not have it. Who knows? Simply just say to this person, oh, okay, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate it. I hope you are doing well, you know, because this person is probably not doing well because they just found out they tested positive for chlamydia and gonorrhea um, or whatever. Um, and just move on. You know, go go to the clinic, get tested, um, get your pills, and go about your day. So I just wanted to talk about that little etiquette thing because I feel that there's been a lot of discourse recently about how to talk about that sort of thing with people. And it's really not that hard. Just be a decent human being, be polite, and, you know, handle your business because that's it's part of the danger of sleeping with people that you don't know, um, that you didn't get tested beforehand. And... When you have sex with people, which, by the way, I admit most people, especially in queer cultures, do. We have sex with people sometimes without knowing their name or knowing their status or da 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 Like, you are inviting that risk, unfortunately. Um, so don't blame the other person or call them dirty or say that they're not clean or that they da 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 Don't do that. Never. And don't use the word clean when you want to ask somebody if they have STDs because it implies that people with STDs are dirty. Nobody is dirty for having an STD <laughs> because chances are you're going to get it at least once in your life, unfortunately. Um, so just be kind to the people that do because that energy, who knows, maybe it'll come back to you. Okay, so that was a final note on politeness and how we interact with people with STDs and da 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 da. Um, there's certainly more to explore with that. So I continue. I I encourage all of my lovely listeners to do all of that research on their own time. Um, I just wanted to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode um, and, you know, having, having ho- hopefully taking my advice, getting tested and having an open conversation with me about your sexual health. Um, I hope you guys enjoy and um, thank you guys so much for listening to Transvestigations. Um, I will see you very, very soon. Our next episode is actually a collab episode with my best friend, Samuel Mead. He's amazing. We're going to be discussing Grindr and diving into some of the gay hookup culture uh, that we see around us. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching trans- or listening to Transvestigations. Um, hope you have a lovely day, afternoon, or night. Goodbye.